You're listening to a Soul Fire Productions podcast. Hello, 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 my beautiful friends. I am so grateful to be with you today, as always. And today's guest, hmm, how do I describe Jessica's like? Jess is definitely a boss, babe. There is no question about that. Runs a million dollar branding agency. Um, But more importantly, and what I really wanted to get across in this conversation is the way Jess champions women and the way she has opened herself up to growth and exploration and curiosity and the feminine energy and essence that was always available to her, but that she hadn't really tapped into. And Jess has done a remarkable job of surrendering and allowing and merging masculine and feminine energy and being in a place of receiving. And I respect Jess so, so much for so many reasons. And I learned so much from her in the way she builds her business and shows up in the world and blends success and all of this stuff that we see on social media and when she's featured in different magazines and articles and all of these things, but who she is behind the scenes and the way she approaches life in her vulnerability and her rawness, really. So this conversation is just really special and and we get into how we have learned from one another, supported one another as partners now and all of the the difficult moments and the beautiful things and lessons that we have learned along the way. So I'm so excited for you to hear this conversation with Jess. And if you didn't know, Jess has a show, the Simply Be podcast, and it is such a beautiful culmination of her work, not only in the branding space and building a brand and getting your message out there and, and sharing your truth, but also everything behind the scenes that she has done with plant medicine and spirituality and growth and expansion. She really blends her worlds together and shares that with her audience. She has some of the most incredible guests on her show from top people who have branded themselves incredibly well to shamans and everyone in between. And I think it's just a beautiful way to learn. And honestly, if you can listen to her solo episodes, homegirl takes you to fucking church. (laughs) She is preaching and it gives me chills when I listen to her and brings me to tears and is just so fucking inspiring. So make sure you check out the Simply Be podcast with Jessica Zweig. And let's get into this episode. It is time to hear from Jess. Let's go. Okay, so I have to tell you something, Jess. And I waited till we were recording because I want your reaction for everyone. So Connor's like, "Uh, what are you doing today? And I said, well, I'm I'm having Jess on the show. And he goes, Jess Swag? And I said, no, Jessica Swag. No, Jess Swag. He calls you Jessica Swag, which I didn't even realize. And I was like, that is so perfect. It brought me so much joy. So that is who you are in our home now. <laughs> oh, oh, 
my gosh. I will so fucking take that because my last name has been such a source of contention for most of my life because no sure. one can ever pronounce it. And I used to get made fun of for it. And I, I'm so proud of my, I love my last name. I did not want to give it up when I got married. Like I have such an identity to my last name and it's ZW and it's unique. It's the end of the alphabet. But people used to say like wags, wags, like swag incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh my God, they were just telling me I had fucking swag. Amen, sister. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> and then I was like, I changed too because I had a t-shirt on and then I put on this, you know, little sexy thing so you could see my boobies. I'm having a good boob okay. day because I'm on my period. Yep. And I put totally on my are. my blazer because I was like, I got to bring my A game for Jess. And he was like, is that your Jess swag outfit? And I was like, obviously. <laughs> so flattered right now isn't it so silly i'm like connor's such a goober (laughs) tell connor i love him i will i will (laughs) oh my god he adores you he thinks you're so great um and it's just nice to have yeah and it's nice to have women in my life that my partner also loves because you know when you have friends and your guys like oh my god you're hanging out with so-and-so and and he's just like oh i love her and she's so amazing and i have laura and katie calder coming in this week to stay at my house and he's like oh this is so fun and i'm just like oh i love that you are in our little posse our crew and that you appreciate the women who have literally changed my life that feels so good that's a big deal when you're when you're dude likes your girlfriends. I also find that it's a big deal when your dude likes your girlfriend's dudes. Do you, yes. do you have trouble oh, yeah. with that? Oh yeah. Brian if, is like real picky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Connor kind of likes everyone. Like he's, I mean, actually I will take that back. He doesn't like everyone. He's kind of a dick, but <laughs> he will get along with most people and tolerate them. Um, but yeah, there have been some guys where he's like, eh, I think I'm good, but same thing. He has some friends and uh, their wives and I'm like, eh, we don't really drive. Like I'm good. You can go do your thing with them, but I'm okay. You know? And that is hard. Cause you're like trying to have a dinner party and you don't want one or the other there. It's kind of awkward. <laughs> totally. Welcome to like couple dumb. Like exactly. it's, it's a tricky thing to navigate. Sometimes I, I can definitely tell when Brian gets really excited when we're going on a double date with a couple and a dude he likes. And then when I'm obligatorily making him to go, it's a totally different energy. And it's, you know, it's part of the beauty of being in a relationship compromise. Amen. You know, girl. I know. So I was telling you, I've never talked about this on the show and I thought this would be the perfect time to do it. So I told you I'm bleeding to death. So that's super fun. Yay uh-huh. for being a woman. But what came to me and what I wanted to talk to you about in regards to this is I feel like there's so many people in the spiritual space who talk about their periods in this like glorious way. And if you're one of these people, I'm not judging you. I'm just saying my experience. Like I'm on my moon and I'm synced up with the moon cycle and I I just let the blood rush free from my body and I don't put tampons in because I don't want to stop the flow. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. How many tampons can I shove in my pussy? How, can I wear thick underwear to catch the rest of the blood? And if anyone talks to me today, I might kill you. That is my approach. And I feel like I'm a bad spiritual person. So can you please tell me what you do? You're not... <laughs> I love this question. <laughs> there, um, we're we're in alignment. It's funny that Good. you you asked me about this because I know you're into plant medicine and and I have done them too. And I actually, when I did ayahuasca last year, about a year ago, I had a really really amazing experience for not the reason that you think. Uh, most people barf shit. I bled. I got I got my period, but I really did get my period because I'm super regular. Mm-hmm. I'm like a I'm like a clock. I'm really lucky like that. I know like the exact time day I'm gonna get it. 
and you're not allowed to do in certain circles, you're not allowed to do ayahuasca when you're on your period. It's like against the shaman's wishes. It's it crazy. Women are so powerful Mm -hmm. when they're on their period that it can actually get in the way of the shaman's visions. If there's a woman on her moon in the middle of a ceremony. Interesting. So they had sent out this letter to all of us before, beforehand, it was men and women taking, you know, going down into Costa Rica. This was last almost a year ago. And it was like, women are not allowed to be on their period. If you're sitting in circle, you have to let us know if you're bleeding. And I was like, score. I know my cycle. So I was like, I'm not going to get my period. I'm right in the middle of my cycle. I'm golden. So on the second night of the ceremony, I went to the bathroom to like pee and I wiped myself and there was blood everywhere. And my uterus was like cleansing itself. And I, I guess, and I had to go and tell the helpers and they were like, you're not allowed to go back in. And they like made me leave. It was crazy. And what? yeah, you're not allowed to be in ceremony. If you're bleeding, it's, it's against what the shaman wanted which I kind of have somewhat of an issue with. I think it's, I don't really, I don't really fully entirely agree with it. And there's a bunch of schools of thought around that actually. But I remember it being this awakening. Like I felt like, okay, I I, I was clearly shedding in. I'm in my masculine a lot. Mm -hmm. Just going to say it, just being a business owner, being a CEO, leading a team, all the shit that I do. And the lesson, I just got the chills. The lesson that I had taken away from that, I uh, experience in relation to my blood was that my power is actually in my feminine, right? And the divine feminine, the sacred womb space, the sacred technology that they talk about, we create the universe there. I have that inside me and I don't have to try. I don't have to do, I can just be, I can just simply be. And that is my power. And so I took a lot of that home with me and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get in sync with the moon and I'm going to take my blood and water my plants with it. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. Yes. I hear this so often. (laughs) And I was like on the kick for like two months. And now I'm just like, it's my fucking period. Yeah. It's fucking suck. <laughs> one, of the things, one of the things that I do do that I've changed is I use the cup mm-hmm. instead of tampons, which I think is better for the environment. Mm-hmm. It's better for your badge. And it's also like actually cleaner. And so that has been the biggest transition I've made with my period as far as how I take care of it. I definitely hate life for like those few days. I think being in a city, Kelly, like it's really easy to connect to your moon when you're like living on the fucking beach in Costa Rica. Let's just be real. Yeah. Which most of those spiritual sisters are are living when they talk about this shit, but you're in Denver and I'm in Chicago and I don't even see the moon most nights. Like it's too cloudy in the sky. Like, you're like, how am I supposed to be connected with the moon? I don't even see the moon. moon. And I'm like walking on concrete every day. Like I'm not fucking walking on the grass. Like I don't know the beach. So I think that it's definitely been a lesson, like just understanding my feminine and, and appreciating it a little differently and leaning more into doing less and being more. But hey, girl, you know this. We are here to teach what we are here to learn ourselves. And I struggle a lot with doing versus being and the business that I run and the life that I live. So periods just get in the way. Literally (laughs) of everything. In the way. Well, and to that point, and I'm glad you said that, it's like that's my other thing with spirituality and wellness is. It's like if you're not doing all these things and you're not doing them the right way, then you're a failure. 
And I feel like we have created this mindset where we all wanted to break the idea of not being good enough. And now we found another way to not be good enough. And I'm like, okay, so now I have to be doing all this other stuff. I have to water my plants with my blood. I have to do a a new moon and a um, a full moon circle every week, every month. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm doing a ritual. And then if I, you know, do this plant medicine thing and then I have to go here, it's just like I went from doing in television, being with men, which I wanted to leave behind to then doing in spirituality in a different way. But it's the same shit. Yeah, you're so right. As you're talking, I'm like, yeah, I feel guilty if I don't meditate. I feel guilty if I don't journal. I feel guilty if I don't fucking light the right candle on the moon cycle and like get my, you know, intentions right. I mean, it's really, really, you're so right. It's added a whole new layer of doing this and tips and tricks and hacks and things. And it's like spirituality. I sort of feel that your relationship to God and your, whatever you want to call it, universe, source, oneness, light, you know, I call it all of the above actually is actually the most personal relationship you can have in your life more than your partner, more than your family. You know, I was raised Jewish and I know a lot of my friends are were raised Christian. It's like the priest or the rabbi, like they were the, they had the answers. And actually I found God as a Jewish girl sitting on the top of a mountain in Ireland after my deceased grandmother spoke to me in a chapel and which was the first house of God I'd ever been in in my life up until that point. And my grandmother's spirit visited me in a church and I, I couldn't connect the dots. I was like, but I'm Jewish. I'm sitting in a church, but I'm Jewish. And my grandmother is here and how the fuck, why the fuck? And I just feel like that was a turning point in my life when I realized that my relationship with spirit is mine. Mm. It's actually mine. And so any modality and blog that I read or influencer that I follow or next best trend in spirituality that I see, I, I really try to come back to that, that, that my relationship with that is so intimate and so personal and no one or nothing else should and can tell me how to relate to it. And I think it's good that there's a lot of optionality now and that we can try on a lot of different tools and experiment and play with whether it's plant medicine or it's essential oils or it's chanting or it's tantric dance or community, like what community will always win actually, but it's seriously up to you. And I think it's good to try a lot of things on, but you do have to get to a point where you're like, okay, this works for me. This doesn't. And that's okay. And then prioritizing your life accordingly. Only you can do that. I love that. And I listened, I think it was your last two solos I was listening to. So this is kind of the a culmination of both of them. But in one, you had talked about, you know, I used to take 60 supplements and I thought I had to do all these things and check all these boxes in order to feel good. And you still felt like shit. And then today I was listening to the other one and you're talking about, you know, my my go-to wellness routine every day or what makes me feel good is not something you're going to see on a trend list. And I was like, thank you so much because those two things are really important to talk about because I have yeah. been there. I have been like, I have to take all the things, all the supplements, see this doctor, go to this shaman, do this thing, meditate this way, you know, do this cleanse in order to feel good. And at the end of it, I feel worse because I'm back in the masculine, I'm back in doing, and I'm not resting. I'm just constantly going. So there's that. And then I'm trying to keep up with all these people who are telling me what to do. 
rather than listening to myself. So I'm reading, you know, the top 20 trend list on Cosmo for whatever the fuck I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm not tuning into myself. And I was like in my car, just praising you like, thank you, Jess. Oh my God. It's so important. How did you get to that point where you're like, fuck this noise. I'm listening to myself. I mean, it's been a journey of like falling down, getting back up, taking three more steps, falling down again, getting back up. And each time you get back up, you have, you have new information, you have a new lesson. And I, I mean, I have been on such a journey with my health and I said this on my show, Western medicine failed me. Like I, I was super sick for so many years and all they did was throw drugs at me. And all they did was tell me to get surgery and, you know, break my face open so they could fix it. And no one talked to me about sleep or green juice or stress or, you know, cut out dairy. Hey, cause it forms mucus in your body. And I was getting chronic sinus infections. And so I had to do my own research to figure out I couldn't eat dairy. So, but, but you said something really interesting just now, Kelly, about your, you know, experience in sports entertainment and then being surrounded with the masculine energy. And you and I, I think are wired very similarly. Mm -hmm. Like we have a lot of fire in our belly, a lot of ambition. And it's a beautiful thing to have that as a woman, you know, we create things. It's, it's, we get things done, but there's a shadow side to that of burning ourselves out. And I had a healer once say to me something so simple and so profound. She said, Jessica, you cannot apply the same energy to your healing as you did to the, as the same energy that got you sick. Mm. Mm. Right. Yeah. She got the chills. Mm-hmm. And I got sick. Cause I was like, I got to fix it. I got to do it. I got to learn it. I got to grow. I got to be better. I got to, you know, And then I got sick and I needed to heal. And then I was applying like the same exact energy to my healing. And the last few years since I have not been sick, it's actually been a complete slowing down. I stopped working out as much. I lost weight. Not that it's about weight, but like I literally stopped killing myself at workouts. I changed my diet. I said no more. I color coded my calendar to make sure I was having play and self-love and self-care every week, you know, it was all fucking work, like little things like that, that were feminine, that were like loving in the flow and in the ease. And, and so that has been a big lesson. I keep kind of relearning, but I do think I, I do take steps forward. It takes two steps forward, one step back, but at least I'm going forward. And that has been, I think the way I've been able to hear and listen to myself and my body, like what I said in the podcast, I just realized I don't need to take 30 supplements a day. I literally fucking heard that. I was like, just take the ones you feel like taking today. And maybe that's four. Maybe that's zero. Maybe that's 12. I don't know. But I'm in, I'm in so much more flow. But I think I had to, I think I had to break down and become so, so sick and so broken and so sad to actually figure that out. Mm. I want to go back to what you said about your grandmother coming to you in that chapel. Um, you know, I was just in Santa Fe shortly after you were in Santa Fe and I was just there for the day and I had no plans. And I don't think I've told this, this story publicly yet, but I go on Google. I'm sitting in the middle of this square in Santa Fe, like in the middle of their little town. And I just start Googling, okay, where should I go? (laughs) I'm like, what, what is there to do here? And I see, um, like spiritual, uh, grounds or a spiritual place 
and I click on it and it's this Catholic church and it's ancient. I'm like, oh, this looks amazing. It's only 20 minutes away. I'm going to go see this sacred healing, whatever. So I drive out there, know nothing about this. And I pull up and there's cows everywhere and there's people coming out of church. And I was raised Catholic. So I see people getting communion and I'm like, okay, I get it. And it's all Hispanic people. And I'm like, oh, crap. Am I like walking into a service right now? But I park my car. I just feel very called to go to this place. I walk up and I'm looking. And as you know, Santa Fe, it's all adobe buildings. Everything is like the walls are all three feet thick. I mean, it is absurd. Um, And you can tell they're all hand done and so ancient and beautiful. And I just was in awe of this place. And I'm walking around and I'm just getting all the feels. And I'm like, where am I? And so I walk up this hill and there's people in this chapel. And the chapel, I mean, is so small. And there's two rows um, and there's pews going back, probably 10 rows um, on both sides. And as you walk in, there's all these candles lit. And, you know, the, the Mexican Catholic candles with like, you know, the different uh, Mary on them and all of that. All yeah. lit. It's just so incredible. And I walk in and I just get overwhelmed with emotion. And I'm like, I need to be here. And I start walking down the aisle and I feel like I'm walking through spirits, like like spirits, rows and rows of spirits. And it's not bad energy. It's just thick And I'm like, holy shit. And I go in and I sit in this pew on the left side. And all of a sudden, I just start sobbing. And my grandmother, who died 12 years ago now, 11 years, and my mom, who just died a few months ago, come sit next to me in this pew. And I am just sobbing. And I am download after download. I am hearing them. They are talking to me. There's like so much power in what's happening. And I am blown away. I'm like, first of all, I'm not a practicing Catholic. Haven't been for a long time. Don't really feel this. Don't understand. It doesn't resonate with me. But for whatever reason, I was like drawn to this place. Find out later because I leave there. I'm like, I need to know where the hell I just was. I Google it. (laughs) And it is this ancient sacred healing space. It was the main pilgrimage for the Catholics at this church and people would come here to get healed in the room next to the chapel are wheelchairs and crutches and all this stuff because people came not walking and left walking. People came in blind and left what? seen. Yes. And it I mean, if you go back, which I'm sure you will, because I know you love it. It is unreal. But for me, wow. I just the the connection to my grandmother and my mom in that moment was so powerful. I feel like it unlocked this feminine energy and this ancient wisdom of my ancestors that I had not yet had access to. And it was a profound turning moment in my life. So all that being said, I would love to know what that felt like for you and what that effect was. Oh, girl. First of all, thank you for sharing that with me. That's such an amazing story. And I have such a resonance with it because it's literally almost, I mean, different, but literally the same exact thing. So. I was, I was in Europe traveling throughout all the countries as a 19 year old girl. It was the first time I had ever traveled overseas. And the reason that I was in Europe was because I had broken up with my first love Mm. and I was, it's going to sound so privileged, but I'll just tell you. And I like my, my dad was like, my parents were like, you're fucked up. Basically They're like, yeah. you gotta, you gotta get out of town for the summer. And so I wanted to go to Europe and my, my parents sent me 
And I went on this like tour and then I was by myself the last week. And I'm like, I wanted to check out Ireland. I'm so, I can't believe I did this at 19 years old. So I went to Ireland by myself for nine, like for a week. And I was in this little town called Kilkenny, which is a tiny, tiny little Southern Irish town. And I had never stepped into a church before. I was, was born and raised Jewish. I was, you know, not super religious, but I was bat mitzvahed and, you know, went with celebrate all the high holidays and, you know, very tribal Jews. And, you know, I grew up in a predominantly Jewish suburb. So I remember walking past this church and I felt it was like a chapel and it was from like the 1500s. It was so old, you know, Europe's so fucking old, much older than the United States. And I felt a call to go in and sit and see it. And I just, I was going to check it out like a tourist. I was just going to go in, see the stained glass, like check it out and leave. And my grandmother had died about six months before that trip. And I was dating that guy, this ex-boyfriend at the time. And we were, it was so drama filled. And, you know, I was obsessed with him. And so when my grandmother died, I wasn't even fully present for her death because I was so caught up in this relationship. And it was my mom's mom. And I walked in, thought I would stay for 10, 15 minutes, sit down in one of those pews like you did. And I feel her on my shoulders, like, like embracing my shoulders. And I ended up sitting there for an hour, just sobbing. And she, I heard her too. And she said to me, I've been looking out for you this last month. I've been watching over you to make sure you're safe. And I know you feel like you didn't grieve me because I did. And I had guilt around that. And she goes, but I know you did. And I'm always with you. And I love you no matter what. And that really was a huge, I think, dawn of my spiritual path of really understanding angels and other realms. And that there really are no black and white lines of you're Jewish, you're Christian, you're Catholic, you're Muslim. Like I find philosophies and beliefs that come from Hinduism and Buddhism and Christianity so applicable and so real for me and my life. And I wasn't taught that. And I, I've just taken pages of what resonates with me. Again, it's the most spiritual personal relationship in your life is your relationship to spirit. And to this day, Kelly, actually, when I travel or even in my neighborhood, if I have time, I'll go into churches and I light a candle for my grandmother. I light a candle. I always feel her spirit in my life and a church. And then when I get really sad and I'm, I'm having, you know, a moment and I'm in tears, I feel tingles on my shoulders. Like she's there. She's an angel in my life for sure. And that, that came to me, you know, again, in a, in a chapel in Ireland, this little Jewish girl from the North shore, like walking through (laughs) Ireland found, found God in a way, you know, for the first time, I think it just goes to show you, you have to, follow the call. I love what you, your story of Santa Fe of how you heard that message to go there. You were, you were Googling it sitting in a square and you have to listen to that stuff. That's the spirit world is just not real. If not more real than the 3d world. And I know you know that. Mm-hmm. So it's about accessing it simply by listening and following your gut and not giving anything labels saying that this isn't what I was taught or this isn't right. Or, you know, this is weird or whatever it is. I think it's really just busting down all of those myths and blocks. And that's really where you access it from. 
Well, and you talk about this in your episode too, about before you started Simply Be, going to be with another agency and then hearing, no, Jess, you're not doing this. You need to go do and create this on your own. And you follow that call and, you know, a million dollars in the first year. And here we are today, like, holy shit, you're featured everywhere. You're incredibly successful. You have this amazing team. You have all these incredible clients. I get to partner with you on all this stuff. But that wouldn't have happened had you not followed that call, had you not really listened to your intuition. What was happening for you at that moment where you just surrendered without really knowing what the fuck you were about to walk into? Oh, girl, chills. I, you know, thank you for saying that. I think it's really what I want to teach people is that getting into alignment is really the key. I had been playing so small up until that point in my life. And, you know, I'm 39. So that was when I was 34. Like I, you know, it took me a, a long time. Like I, I didn't really have it figured out. And just, just a few years ago, I, I got into alignment and then shit changed, but I was really in a space where I needed the validation of other people. Like in every choice I made, I needed a safety net. I needed someone else to tell me that I was good enough. I needed someone else to believe in me. And I had come to a point in my career where I wanted to start my own business. And I had another company that was interested in licensing Simply Be. And it was a bunch of men. And they thought I was really pretty. And you know, which is true. So thank you. And be something else, yeah. be a lot of other things. <laughs> and so, um, but they, yeah, thanks for the compliment, but, uh, I'm actually smarter than I am pretty. And I, you know, but I didn't really see that at the time. I didn't really believe in that at the time. And I was having these sort of force fed messages from a bunch of men that I was working with that I trusted that, you know, there were things I just couldn't do. And I believed them for a year. And then I, I can't even describe it. It was like this, it was the solar, the solar eclipse. It was when the sun was fully eclipsed by the moon back in 2017. You had to wear those little glasses to see it. Do you remember that day? Yep. It was like an epic day in the United States. Cause it was like the first time, first time and only time in a hundred years that it had gone over the Western hemisphere of the planet that eclipse. And it was the representation, the metaphorical representation of the divine feminine, the moon overshadowing the masculine, the sun. And I literally felt like a different person the next day. I woke up with codes, something activated in me that day. And I'll say that one of the the scariest and most difficult things that I had to do in that transition wasn't only making the decision. I think this is really where a lot of women get tripped up. It's actually making the decision, like saying it, having that hard meeting, taking that tough call, having that really awkward, really empowering, but super painful conversation. And I remember I had to take those men out because I wasn't going to do it in the office. Cause I knew that they were going to blow a fucking gasket. I had to, I took them out to Soho house. Oh my and, like, God. I it, love you. It, that's brilliant. Did it in public. <laughs> that's a, that's a good trick. Ladies. Uh-huh. If you really want to like have a tough conversation and cause no one's going to, you know, hurt you in public. Like, you know, it was a safety net. And I remember sitting them down and just saying, you guys, I got to go off and do this thing myself. I'm not going to sign that contract. I'm going to take my brand, my business, my idea. And just, and like, 
do it my way. Cause what you guys want to do is cool, but it's not what I want. I'm not stealing anything from you. I'm not taking anything away from you. I'm just going to go do this myself in a different way. And I just remember his, the guy that owned that company, like, you know, I still actually have a ton of respect for him and we're, we're on good terms now, but he looked like smoke was going to fucking come out of his ears. Like he, like I went so rogue on him so fast and he, he didn't see it coming. And I think that's, I think that's also a thing women struggle with is that, you know, we, we have such epic involvement, like in the inner work. And then we, then we have to talk about it or claim our power. And it's a blindsiding moment for the person on the other side, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. That doesn't mean that that should prevent you from living your fucking truth to make someone else comfortable. And so once that happened, you know, I just remember feeling so free and feeling so alive and clear. And when you have that embodied, you become a magnet you just do, you know, not everybody, not the whole world is going to attract to you, but a lot of the right people will, and that's all you need. And it just kept expanding because I kept expanding and I kept leaning into that trust and to my truth and making no apologies to anyone for that. And I attracted the right clients and the right team and talent. I attracted the press and the media. And all that stuff is great. It's very validating for sure, but it's a testament. I want other people to see that stuff and be like, she can do it. I can do it. Cause I'm just a person just like Oprah is just a person. Like we're just people and you can do anything you put your mind to. You really can. And so that was the foundation of of really simply be was that, that belief, simple belief. And I think I want to bring this forward because I think this is a really dynamic story to tell in your involvement and growth. And I think this is really important for us to share with other women because I go through the same things. When you and I first started working together and we started to onboard your show and we started to talk about what it is you really wanted to talk about versus what you were talking about, what you, what you were about in general. And there was this part of you that I picked at and picked at. And she finally came out and it was like, oh, there's Jess. And it was this, <laughs> this spiritual side of teaching and just genuine, authentic rawness about you that you hadn't yet really exposed in a way that I think you wanted to. And the yeah. reason I bring this up is because you're someone who teaches people to be authentic, to simply be, to be themselves And you do that because that's what you need, right? And that's what I need. And that's so much of what I teach as well. How does it feel for you to constantly be in an evolution of learning more about yourself and allowing yourself to be fully expressed? Mm. That's a good question. You know, that conversation we had was really, uh, it it kind of a reset and a game changer because it's funny. Like I talk about authenticity, right? I talk about simply being, and then you can easily look at my platform and be like, well, she's 
polished and she's got everything together and she's always on brand and everything's so styled and stylish and what's authentic about that. And, you know, I've, I've gotten that feedback from a few people. And, and the truth is like, that is an authentic expression of myself. I used to be fat, bad skin, frizzy hair, boys didn't like me, super awkward, not never comfortable in my own skin. And I've really worked to like fully love that expression of myself. And if lots of makeup and dolled up hair and certain outfit, at least on certain days is express is authenticity to me. And, you know, patchouli and moccasins is authentic to you. Then like more power to you, like rock on, like no, this judge-free zone. However, there was for sure a part of me that felt sort of obliged to that, right. That I had to show up like that. That's what people saw me at. Like I dropped a whole video today on doing mushrooms. And it's the first time I've ever openly talked about psychedelics on my channel. And I have, I have, my palms were sweating when I sent it. I'm like, am I going to lose clients? Is the media going to regret featuring me in cranes? Like, you know, because I'm talking about this shit. And so I've really in the last six months, honestly, since that conversation going to Santa Fe, like just kind of having everything sort of disrupt in 2020 anyway, I've really become far less concerned with, you know, what, people think, even though that has, you know, I've shed a lot of that, continue to shed it. And the truth is that the world needs my truth, right? Just like the world needs your truth and everyone's truth who's listening. And I have a responsibility to share that truth. And so I'm just so clear. I'm going to share whatever I want, whatever feels in alignment. And in fact, the more I do that, the more I'm going to trust that more of the right actual people, opportunities, doors will open because I'm being true to myself. And my show is expanded. Like, look at my numbers, girl. Like things you're are killing happening. it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for that text the other day. Like you're it's welcome. really affirming coming from you. Like you're, I just have so much respect for you, Kelly, and what you've created and your experience with podcasting. And, and so I trusted you in that, you know, you, you, you pushed me in that meeting. You were honest, you held up a mirror and I loved it, even though it was uncomfortable for a minute. I loved it and I appreciated it. And I think that we need to expose ourselves more in general to people who are willing to tell us the truth so that we can be in our truth. Well, and thank you for saying that. And I, I think for me, you know, I talked a lot about like being bisexual and coming forward about that and talking about my sexual experiences with other women. For me, it wasn't just about sex. It was actually finding a deeper version of myself that I had yet to meet. And so women, as you know, we're all mirrors for each other. And it took me to be in sexual experiences with other women to actually find myself, to be mirrored back and reflected back. Like, I can love my body. I love myself. I accept myself. All these things that I I still felt all these blocks around. And it was as soon mm. as I opened up to that, that I felt that and I was able to receive and honor other women and then myself in return. And it was this beautiful kind of give and take. And I felt that with you in our call. Obviously, we weren't you know, in a sexual space. It was very much like a work environment. But that feminine energy is very much there. And I told you, Jess, like I'm, I'm hearing these things, like I'm feeling called to share this with you. And I didn't know you that well yet, but I just had these feelings. Your energy is so clear and so beautiful and pure. And I shared that with you. And it was it was a moment of both of us reflecting back, I feel like, our own truth. Because for me, I had never really, until Soulfire, 
I had never really been someone who helped other people strategize. Like I had helped my friends get clarity and do the thing, but not in a business sense. And so I'm sitting there and I'm sharing this and I'm like, okay, this is a huge client and she's basically bringing us all of her clients and I'm just going to go out on a limb and tell her this thing and just trust that this is what's meant to happen. And it was like this incredible exchange of both of us just trusting and mirroring back to each other. And I just watched, it was like both of us kind of blossomed that day and really came into our own and our own truth. It was incredible. Yes. Oh, let me, let's break this down for a second because I think there's such a lesson here Mm -hmm. for women. Like we have to tell each other, we have to tell each, we have to be who we truly are in front of one another. We have to be willing to tell each other the truth and at the same time, hold sacred space. And like yesterday, I just did this women's event. It was Megan, my friend in Chicago hosted this like circle of really amazing women at this yoga studio. And this healer came in and there was a mix of women and some women knew each other better than others. Some women didn't know each other at all. Like you and I coming into that conversation, we barely knew each other. Mm-hmm. And yet you told me something that truly came from your heart. Like it was honest feedback but it was so well-intentioned and I allowed it to, to be, I held space for it. I didn't deflect it. I didn't tell myself a story about you. I, I like just allowed it to, to be there and to consider it. And the way that you delivered it was like so loving. Right. And that allowed me to hold it in a loving way, even though it was feedback and Yesterday, you know, these women that some of us barely knew others and more than others, we're all opening up. We're all telling truths. Some women are crying. Women are like talking about their fucking shit. They're talking like poop. Like they're talking about their traumas. They're talking about like their imposter syndromes. Like when you are willing to do the hard thing of saying the truth and being the example of authenticity, you give everyone else the permission to do the same. And that actually creates a domino effect, I believe, of of an awakened planet. And you can do that in a micro moment. You can do that in a conversation. You can do that in a business strategy session. And that is what I love about working with you is that you're boss, but you're so connected and you're so authentic and you're not willing to play it safe like in anything you do, clearly in your own platform too, which is such a gift to women. And that I think is what we just need to see more and more of in one another. Well, and you were talking about how your business has grown and evolved as you have evolved. And this is what I respect so much in watching you. And I've told you this multiple times. I love learning from you, even if it's not in a one-on-one conversation, just watching how you operate and the way you uh, you know, do your show and have conversation and teach is you are not afraid to grow. You lean into the challenging moments and the evolution is a priority for you. And what I really felt, and I'm going back to this call because I just feel it was so pivotal, was that you you were in receiving in the feminine and you were listening, in listening and asking what is meant for me here. And I feel like that is what you do in your life and your business and your relationship is what am I meant to see? What can I allow into my space, into my awareness that will help me grow. And yeah, it might fucking suck and be uncomfortable and I might not like it. And yet I will still lean in because I trust the process. Yeah. 
Yes, with the chills. I keep getting the chills with you, Kelly. It's like all by all, all set, all this <laughs> entire conversation. I, you know, I I feel that feedback, the concept of feedback, is the most one of the most powerful tools in human existence. And you use the word evolution, and my favorite word in the in the whole English language is the word evolve. Truly, it always has been, and. Ever since I was little, I seek to grow and know myself and know, and know the world, but through my own experience. And I've never shied away from therapy or coaches or any, any sort of personal growth work. I've, the more I've leaned into that, the more my like, life and career and business and relationships have expanded and deepened. And I think it's something that a lot of people feel is criticism. You know, it can be can mistake for criticism. And that when it's said with love, when it's coming from a, like, it, there's a difference between someone just fucking shitting on you mm-hmm. and, and abusing you. But when someone is coming at you with your highest good in mind and is willing to tell you the truth with your highest good in mind, that is gold. That is gold for you to t- take down your ego. Cause I could have easily, easily gotten defensive in that meeting. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? She doesn't even know me. My show's doing great. People love me. I've got a great business. Like my podcast is fine. Like why, why would I have to tweak anything? But I didn't like, I took, I was open. I took it at face value. I was like, there's value here. Even if I agree with it or don't, and let me be open to it to decide if I am or not. And that just, I think creates such an, a conscious life, like mm-hmm. when you're willing to take feedback and it doesn't have to be these like grand steps of like, okay, I'm going to quit my job and move to the jungle, like to live a conscious life. Like you can live a conscious life by being open to, to feedback and having, and having hard conversations. Like that's, I think one of the most conscious things you can do. I'm hungry for it every day. What is it like for you to have hard conversations on a daily basis? What's your what's your thought process, your preparation, your allowance, your balance of masculine feminine in those moments? So this is where the spiritual practices and tools come in. I think that as a CEO, you know, at this stage in my business at least, my one of my number one jobs is putting out fires. Like that's, I'm a firefighter. Yes. I feel you. <laughs> like, right. It's just what you do. Mm-hmm. So you're the only one to do it. You don't have to answer to anybody when you run your own business, but you have to answer to everybody and your <laughs> clients or your bosses and your staff and whatever. So, um, I've actually found that when I'm about, when I, when I have hard conversations, if I know I'm going to have a hard conversation I, and I can, I have the time to prepare for it which is what I prefer. I, I, I do find that meditation, um, like meditating, setting an intention, holding a vision for what I want the outcome to be and not in a manipulative way, but th- that it's going to turn out in everyone's highest good because we don't have control over shit. And, and so really setting the intention that this is going to be a positive outcome for all involved, not my positive outcome, but for all involved. And that, that's taken work. I will sometimes hold a crystal, like a rose quartz crystal. I have it in my office here. I like to hold it if I'm on the phone or if I'm just sitting in a meeting, like the energy of love. I'll light some Palo Santo. I'll clear my energy 
when I meditate, I picture myself, I talked about this on Laura's show. I'm working with the archetype of the priestess a lot. Mm-hmm. And the priestess is a kind of an introverted goddess. Like she sits in her own temple and she's surrounded by still waters that, you know, is her moat with the drawbridge that's most of the time drawn up. And I try to come from a place of calm in mind. It's hard. Uh, that, that does give me a, a more grounded way of communication when I have the time to like literally prepare myself. If I have a super difficult conversation a- ahead of me, I try to do that. Um, if I don't, if it's like something fucking blows up in the middle of the day and I got to go get out the fire hose and, and, you know, deal with it. I, I don't raise my voice. It's not my style. I don't, I don't yell. It just gets me nowhere. Um, I would like to say that 90% of the time I do this, you know, I, I, I speak with radical candor, which is like caring deeply, the intersection of caring deeply and challenging directly. So if your staff knows that you truly do care about them, but you're willing to give them the hard feedback, that's that intersection is called radical candor. It's actually a amazing book. I was going to say, and, I've never heard that before. And that is incredible. Yeah. Do you know that Kim Scott, she like, she's my guru. If like she wrote that book, She's coming on my show this week. Kelly. I got her on my show. Yeah, I know. How good does I that know. feel? It's the most amazing feeling. And like, I'm like, you're like, you're more exciting for me than if I got like Gary B on my show. Like, yeah. Kim Scott changed my fucking life. She changed my life. That book changed my life. And it's, I think it's any, any leader needs to read that book because it, her, her philosophy, her thesis is she works in Silicon Valley. She started her career working for Sheryl Sandberg, Steve Jobs, Dick Koslow of Twitter. And her um, question in the book was, how did these companies really scale? Like, how did they become billion-dollar companies? And it all came down to people and management and how their teams were structured and how their leadership communicated to their teams and managed them. And her philosophy is you have to have radical candor. You have to be unafraid to have the hard, challenging, difficult conversations, but doing it in a way that has, that that shows that you care about them as people. Mm -hmm. And I've really worked on that. And my whole team practices radical candor. I would say 90% of the time I walk into any situation, hard conversation with that in mind, 10%. I'm on my fucking rag or if I'm burnt out or tired or just, I mean, like I've like lost my shit. Um, I don't typically lose my shit on my leadership team. The the women that are closest to me, like Alexa, Nora, Alicia, unfortunately, it's like the people closest to you are the ones that see all sides of you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like Brian, my husband has seen the worst of me because he's my fucking husband. It's sort of the same principle in my business. Like it's, Fortunate and unfortunate. I, I, I'm never going to make excuses for my shitty behavior, but sometimes we have dark days and you go into work and you just, it's hard to show up as your priestess fucking self holding the rose quartz crystal every day. <laughs> but I, but I try and I practice and, and when I fail, I get up and I try again. Mm. Damn girl. What is it like for you in conversation with your husband? As you are evolving, as you are working through things, as you leave for Santa Fe for a week without him because you're like, I need space because I can't function anymore. How is that dynamic? So, also, can I just say I love your husband so much? I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> I too. adore him. <laughs> love you too. He's the best. He's amazing. Yes. He loves you. He thinks you're such a boss. Aww. You know, 
it's true. You know, his, so he was a single, he was the child of a single mom that went back to work and created this incredible internationally recognized non-for-profit. So he's attracted to powerful women. Love that. Brian, Brian resonates with boss babes. Like it's, it's, it's hot. Like he, he likes women that have power. And, and so from day one, he was always like fly, like, like what you do is, is sexy and it's a turn on. And I love that you're passionate about you're so passionate. That was one of his biggest, like number one things he would tell me he loves about me is my passion. Now I think, and so for me to go to Santa Fe to your, like that, that has always been sort of a prerequisite that I need a lot of freedom. He needs a lot of freedom. And we really do um, balance each other in that way because we have, we get a lot, we like to take space and then come back. I will say that, and, and I'm, I'm sure he'll listen to this and I, I would never say anything that like he wouldn't feel like comfortable with me sharing. You know, I have definitely been on the spiritual path, leaps and bounds ahead of him. And we've had a couple cornerstone moments in our marriage and we've been married for six years in January and we've been together. It'll be nine years in May. So like almost eight and a half years. And I have said to him, like, if you don't do the work, like this can't work. Like you, you need to evolve to use my word. And I've called him out for, you know, a lot of his old patterns and shit that he just has never really worked on. And I'm really proud of him, Kelly. Like he's taken big steps. You know, he hired a coach. He just recently did a men's retreat. Um, he's really applying himself in like all these different personal growth communities like i'm so so impressed with him and i can hear every woman listening who's married right now like <laughs> wait how did you get your husband to go to a men's retreat tell me everything what kind of sexual acts did you perform jess to make this happen <laughs> not, not unfortunately like that's not the way it works with brian i wish it did <laughs> i really wish it did you're like so i put this lingerie on and then i walked in I was like, honey, I, let's go to www.mensretreat.com. I promise it will be worth your while. <laughs> I mean, only that was like, honestly, right. I, it would be such a win-win-win if that was the case. <laughs> but, um, but I will tell you, like, for what it depends on the man, right? Totally. Like, it depends on the man. We all have different love languages and like the way we like to receive, you know, feedback, communication. Here's one thing I will say, and this is a principle, I think it will apply for all relationships, but especially romantic relationships. Fucking unbridled honesty, like on fucking bridled, like say the hard shit. Like we actually got into a huge fight a few weeks ago because he was operating from like victim mentality and was just negative. And like, it was all his shit that I could see you haven't worked on. And I took to email because like, I know Brian, like the way he communicates, I had to write it out. And I wrote him a letter a mile long. And I said everything I've been wanting to say to him for the last six months. And he read it. And oh yeah, it was ballsy and it was risky, but I'm like, you know, we're married too. So I'm like, what are you going to do? Fucking yeah. leave me because yeah. I'm writing you an email that you don't want to hear. Like we've been through so much, you yeah. know, and we've had, our first year of marriage, we talked about divorce. Like we've been through so much together. And, um, you know, at this stage, we're like, we're in it to win it. Like we just know that. And 
And so I feel comfortable to some degree, I guess, you know, telling him truths like that. It's never easy. It's my fingers were shaking when I was, you know, writing the email, but I, I mean, I love Brian for this. I mean, he heard me like it took him a couple days. He didn't want to talk about it. He didn't, he was defensive. We fought that night at dinner about the stupidest shit. Like he just didn't want to really see it, but then he processed it. I think men in general need a couple more days or time than we do to process it. But it was, um, it was right around then that he agreed to do this men's retreat. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and he came home and he said to me, cause he saw his therapist a couple of days later, which I think is when he, on our first date, he told me he saw a therapist and I was like, you're, you're even hotter. Like, I love that you do the work. Cause he was kind of revealing that he saw a therapist. And I was like, no, 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 this is amazing that you see a therapist. So he's been seeing his therapist now for a long time. And he came home from that session and he says to me, Jessica, um, he said, I realized today, cause he was still processing the email that I had written him that when you go and ask me to get the mail, proverbially speaking, you're just asking me to get the mail. You're not mad at me or telling me that I'm wrong, that I didn't get the mail. That was huge. Oh, now I have chills. Wow. Like I've been waiting my whole relationship for him to say that, to understand that, to hear what I'm actually saying versus how he is interpreting what I'm saying. So, yeah. What happens when he gives you feedback or calls you out? Um, depends on the. You're the like that doesn't that happen. I'm, I'm perfect. <laughs> I'm perfect. Didn't you hear? I'm the priestess. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really think I am pretty fucking amazing. Prize. It's hard to complain about me. No, just kidding. But he's like, <laughs> he's, he knows all sides of me, and I think, you know, we work together now. He's helping me with Simply Be. And so when he gives me feedback, it's interesting. Sometimes he'll be like radical candor, Jessica, because he knows the language we speak. So he'll like preface it with that. Um, I think when Brian, Brian gives me feedback when it's, when it's really honest on his side, um, it's usually after or within a big fight. And it's hard for me to hear it within the moment. Um, you know, I think you'll probably relate to this because you're in a serious relationship. Like it can, it can get like below the belt sometimes. And like you, you know, like it's, they just kind of know where to get you. And it's rare that we go there, but when we do, it's like, no one knows me the way Brian knows me. So if he calls me out on, you know, I, a shadow side to myself is I can be really, really selfish. Like I can just be really, really involved with me and, um, prideful and like bitchy. (laughs) And I think when he calls me out on that stuff, it, it really lands because he's usually right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he said to me once at the very beginning of our relationship, he said, and it's kind of incredible what he said, but it's, it's sort of a rule in our relationship. He said, I know that you're going to take up 90% of the space in this relationship. And I'm okay with that. He said that to me at the very beginning. He goes, I know you're, you've just, you know, you've got such a bright light. You've got so much going on. You're going to take up 90% of the space. And I, I'm okay with that. 
but it's when you take up 91% of the space that I'm not okay with that. And so when I take up 91 or 92, it's like, yeah, that's, that's when shit gets bad. Do you feel yourself doing it? Are you aware or does it just kind of happen? It totally just happens. Yeah. Do you feel guilty when he brings it forward or you at a point where you are like, okay, it's a thing I do. I know this is a shadow side of me. I'm going to address it. And this is how we move forward. Typically the latter, but it it takes me a minute to get there. I usually like get defensive or will just disregard it and just be like, you're just being annoying or you're being sensitive or that's, that's actually not true, Brian. And then once I kind of get over my own ego and pride, I'll be able to more integrate the feedback more quickly. Like we used to get into really bad fights that would like rock us and, and like a lot. And now we don't really fight that much. I mean, we do, we do. I think if you don't fight, there's something fucked up with your relationship. Yeah, you're both like complacent and, you know, people walking all over you or something. Exactly. Unconscious. And the truth is now we'll fight and we're able to more consciously fight and trust each other that we're not going to leave each other. You know, we can, there's like a, a foundation and we can recover faster. One thing that I really appreciate about Brian is his sense of humor. And he can, he can, we kind of know our breaking points. Like if a fight, if we see a fight about to get really bad and it doesn't have to, and we kind of both know that he'll make a funny comment or a joke and we can diffuse it. It's really powerful. In fact, that, that tool in our toolkit just came about in the last year or two. Now we're able to like laugh things off a little bit more easily. But we still have pretty disruptive fights. But to your question, like last couple of weeks ago when we had this huge fight and I fucking told him all my fucking truth, then he went to a men's retreat. Like, like it, we're, it brought us closer. Like we got to the next level. Like he's doing a bit more work. I'm now re- responding to the work that he's doing and we're, we're actually communicating on a more authentic level. And that couldn't have happened unless we had the fight. So. You know, I, I think it's a, it's a dance. I love that you say that because about the, we're in it to win it. Like we're together. We're not going to get divorced. Like this, not not what we're doing. So let's remember, and this is what I was talking about the other day on Instagram. I was just kept saying like, Connor and I are on the same team and we, I loved, we loved that. Thank you. We just figured that out. I think because you know, it's been a really hard year for everyone for a bajillion reasons. And my mom died and then we lost our dog and who felt like our child. So it was like the worst experience of all time. And we have just been so depressed and in such a dark place. And we've almost broken up multiple times and we're running a business together and all the things. Right. And he more than I will bring up breaking up. And sometimes he does it in a joking way. And sometimes it's there's more like seriousness to the tone. And I think it was a week and a half or two weeks ago. I just looked at him and I was like, you and I are not breaking up. Like we're doing this thing. So we're going to have fights and we're going to disagree. But look at what we just went through. Like if that is not proof that we can get through the worst things ever, I don't know what is. And we still chose each other. We chose each other even more in those moments, which for me, not that I ever wanted to go through these things, but 
what a beautiful opportunity to see how someone responds and how you respond and how you work together in times of tragedy. I was like, yo, bro, we're getting married. We're having babies. We're doing the thing like you and I are going to fight for a lot. We're going to fight a lot over the next 50 something years. And that's okay. But like, stop telling me that we're going to break up or stop letting that be on the table. That's off the table. Unless you do something horrific or I do. It's just not an option because if it's not an option, then you're willing to work and and do the work together rather than like always having plan B of like, oh, fuck this. I'm out because that's how I always operated. Oh, my God. I have the chills again. Brian and I used to throw we've been married for six years. The first three years, we would throw the divorce card out like the D word. Anytime we got into a big fight, we made a pact with each other about three years ago. You cannot say that. That that word just does not exist in the atmosphere of this relationship unless something really horrible happens and then we like actually like file. But no, like you can't call that out as a as a sword or like a trick in the in the toolkit. It doesn't. It, there's no purpose there because you're right. It, it disempowers you and it takes away the real responsibility of what it means to be in a real relationship, which is doing the fucking work. Being married is the hardest thing I've ever done. It's the hardest thing. I've ever done next to anything harder than running a business, harder than getting my health back together, harder than, you know, my own personal spiritual experience in marriage, serious relationship. It's just marriage is a serious relationship with a fucking certificate. That's all it is. It is this you and the other person like smushed together, like up against one another, looking in each other's faces as mirrors all day, every day, up, down and around. (laughs) You can't get away from it. Like it's your fucking mirror this close to your nose. And (laughs) that can be amazing. And it can also be brutal. And I love to hear that you and Connor had that moment because it's so it's kind of the the next step to get you to that next level and to deepen your love because this is your fucking person. And when you go through what you just went through with Remy and your, and your mom, you know, Brian and I, Brian lost his career in our first year of marriage his whole career fell apart. He had a full on identity crisis, 25 years as a trader and the, the pit in Chicago closed a month after we got married. And I thought I was going to marry this rich guy, which is not why I started dating him or why I married him, but he was really successful and everything fell apart. And my, he, he disappeared mentally for a year. And we just, we almost, we almost did get a divorce. It was like, what did we just both sign up for? But we dug deep and we dug in. And we, you know, stayed the course. And I mean, I'm not perfect. There's my relationship does not belong on a soapbox, but I do know that it's, it's worth it. Like when you really get there. And I heard someone say this and I don't remember who it was, but it was like, I don't want to give a better version of myself to someone else. So I thought Mm -hmm. about that and I'm like, what, am I going to break up with Connor and go do more work and then be more awesome and then give that to some other guy who doesn't deserve it or didn't earn it? No, like this guy's been in the fucking trenches with me. He earns this. He deserves this just like me for him. We're in it together. And I want to be the best version of me for him. That's not why I do the work. I do it for myself. But like I am in practice to be the best version of me for him, for our family and for my life. I'm not going to just up and leave and think, oh, if I go be with someone else, it's going to magically be better because I'm still going to have the same fucking triggers and core wounds. And then I'm going to have to start all over and work through some other shit. I'm like, no. 
that's what I did my whole life. Like my teens, my twenties, I was just constantly running fear of abandonment. Like, fuck you. I'll leave you first. Like, I'll just take this ass and go somewhere else to someone who will worship it more than you did. And it's like, and I'm still fucked up. What happened? You know, it's like, no, I'm going to do this with you here now and forever. <laughs> I love that. And I, I love that. I, I mean, the grass isn't always greener at all. Like I say that all the time. What am I going to do? Go find someone else better? Like, no, like th- no matter who you are with, there's going to be great things and there are going to be shitty things. There's going to be different problems with a different guy. And that is just the case. And I choose, I choose Brian. And I think that's what a lot of people maybe in marriages or serious relationships forget. Like, yes, I'm married to you. I've committed to you, but I still choose you every day. You know? Yes. Um, before we move on, I want us to tell our cute stories about our men and Organifi. I never do ads in a show with a guest, but because you also work with Organifi on your show, I'm like, this is so perfect. Cause I was texting Jess the other day laughing because she told this story about Brian and their nightly ritual. So why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about it? <laughs> oh my God. Well, okay. So Brian and I have been on a journey when it comes to his, his taste in food and he eats like a 12 year old. Like when we first met and he was a single guy, like he had pop tarts and rice krispie treats and Kellogg cereal in his in Haagen-Dazs ice cream and tombstone pizza. Like that is what he <laughs> ate. That was his fucking diet. Oh, and mac and cheese. And I was like, I've worked my entire relationship to make Brian appreciate healthy food. Like a, a Caesar salad is a success. Green juice, quinoa, like n- not having it. Okay. So I order all this Organifi shit, which is like for real, the most delicious thing I've ever tasted. And I had tried the green and the red and I was like, okay, the gold. And I drank it myself. The first time I had gold, I was like, what the fuck is this? It's so good. And I made it with oat milk and cause I don't do dairy. And Brian was like, what is that? And I, and I gave him a sip of it and he was like, can I have one? And I was like, well, yeah, but you're going to need to drink it with oat milk. I'm not going to make it with your dairy milk. You have to drink it my way. And he was like, okay. And then he like, I made him a cup and he like finishes it, like downs it. And now he literally every night, cause what I do is I blend them up in like my magic bullet. So mm-hmm. they get like frothy. He's like, frothy time <laughs> He's like, every <laughs> night every night i have to keep ordering it from organifi i am my own best customer yeah I literally keep running out of it because i make it every night for the both of us it is the best fucking product and it's it makes me so happy that my husband is appreciating something that is actually so sneakily healthy it makes me so happy. Yeah. I do the same thing. So when I, when I was making Organifi in the beginning, Connor was like, Oh, do you want me to make it for you? I have a special way. And I'm like, sure, buddy. Um, and so he makes it and he put coconut butter in with the gold and blended it with the hot water. And I was like, this is delicious. But now it's more my thing. And he comes to me and asks me to make it for him. And he says, for all drinks though, not even just Organifi. He goes, you make it so much better. Can you make it for me? (laughs) I swear to God, these men turn into four-year-old boys sometimes. And it is so funny. Like, can you make me a drink, please? (laughs) (laughs) I saw the thing on your Instagram the other day when you like opened a container of like refried beans or something. What the fuck was that? Yes. And he left less than a spoonful. 
Like, I'm going to have that with my meal, with my tacos. I'm like, bro, can you finish it? He does that all the time. Or he'll leave like a tiny bit of almond milk left in the container. Like, I'm going to be able to do something with that. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's so if living with men is like a whole other it's like a science project. It really is. So anyone who wants to maybe experience what Jess and I experience with Organifi, you can go to Organifi.com. Uh, you can use my code, Kelly T. And what's your code? We can share that too. Simply B. There so, you go. So, so you guys get 15% off. Use either of those codes. We highly recommend. Try all the things, but especially the gold. I'm on that chocolate kick right now. Just saying. The chocolate and the pumpkin. I blend <sighs> them together. So good. They're delicious. I know. Okay. So... I want to turn a little bit into your business and what the experience has been like for you in really leaning into the feminine and growing this business, what seems to be bigger than even you could have imagined before, and also being of service to so many wonderful people. Well, I think that that's just it. I think being of service and really getting clear on that that, you know, our work changes people's lives. You know, we're, we're a personal branding company, but at our core, we're a personal empowerment company. We give people the tools, the words, the platforms, the language to simply be who they're meant to be in the world. And really, I, I, that is why I get up in the morning. I so feel driven by helping people awaken. I just happen to do it through digital marketing, social media, and PR. But I, I really, at our core, we, we help people become who they're meant to become. And so I think that is very, very much in the feminine. I think I've very much made the conscious decision to lead my business with my heart, with my empathy, and with the way that I sort of relate to people through feeling. I'm not afraid of that as a CEO. I mean, I'm no, no one is unclear. This is a business. We get shit done. We make money. Like people have salaries, like it's a business, but I think I've developed a very unique type of business that you can be who you authentically are. People in your team is going, are going to love you and take care of you and make you feel seen and valued every day. And that has been sort of the divine feminine mixed with the divine masculine in a way that I actually think I want that to be my next book, but it's another story for another podcast. But I, I definitely think that that has been, um, I've held my business to the standard of love. We have a policy. Say that again. Hold on, go back. I've held my business to the standard of love. Thank you. I've never said that before, but it's true. That is like, wow, brings me to tears. My whole body just felt that. That is unbelievable. Go on. Thank you. There is a policy in my handbook called gossip is gross. And you are not allowed to gossip at my company. You're not allowed to talk shit. You're not allowed to bring people down. You're not allowed to bring toxic energy around this temple that is my business. And we assume benevolence here. That's also a policy. Gossip is gross. Assume benevolence. Assume that the people around you have your best interests at heart. Assume positive intent. No one out here is out to get anyone. If there's a 
leadership meeting happening in the other room, we're not talking shit about you. We're getting, we're getting things done and we're talking about how to optimize this whole place. And that includes optimizing you and making this the best place you can work. And I've actually fired people. I fired some people this year because they were fucking gossiping. And it's all I needed to know is like, you don't belong here. I cannot preach love, light and authenticity and have anything but that inside of my four walls. And operating from a place of love, which, you know, is feminine. Yes, but it's not soft and it's not weak. It's fierce. Love is fierce. And the way that we love and the way that we hold the standard of love is with fierce conviction. And I have zero tolerance for low negative vibes. And I know that's catchphrase, but it's actually a business strategy for me. And it's really empowered simply be to to rise. This year has been horrible in so many ways. And I'm not saying that I've had smooth sailing at all. I had a fucking near nervous breakdown, which is why I had to go to Santa Fe. But our business is up 40%. We're growing, we're expanding. I'm hiring more people. I'm giving people jobs. And it's because I attune to the vibration of love. And I've made that a very conscious choice. And so... I think if I could teach anything about business, really what I at least hope to see in business, what I think the future of business, what I think business is calling and starving for is love is humanity in business, which is rooted in love. How do you maybe teach or explain to people how to hold that standard of love while also having that environment of radical candor, because I think a lot of people would say, well, I can't be really honest about my experience or what's going on or in, you know, maybe a confrontation when I'm holding the standard of love, there has to be the light and dark. So how do you navigate that? I think that's such a great question. I think it's honestly how you show up every day. It's how you show up every day. You're you know, we, we're in a virtual world, right? So most of my staff is looking at me every day, multiple times a day on Zoom or here in the office. And no one questions that we come from love and that this business stands on the values of, of service and authenticity and light. But I don't walk in every day like, let's light some Palo Santo and like sit in a circle and meditate and hold crystals and talk about our feelings. No, this is a fucking business. And so I... I think just the way that I conduct myself on a daily basis, I model and I'm an example of respect and, and drive and focus and goal setting and service and, and getting shit done. I've also scaled that with my leadership team. I have Nora, I have Alexa and I have Alicia and they manage their teams and interface with our staff in a way more often most weeks than I do. And so they hold that energy They're They, we had a meeting. T- we actually had a meeting today where it was about my book launch, and our staff was not prepared, and it was Alexa's team, and it was not a good use of my time, and I was frustrated. But I, I wasn't a bitch or a diva about it. It's not my style. I just she knows me. Alexa can read me, and she called the meeting. She's like, "You guys, I'm going to have Jessica leave. This is not a good use of Jessica's time," and we're going to need to regroup and we're going to send Jessica a recap of this later. And I left the room. She excused me. And she, she said radical candor. I could hear her through the walls, like radical candor guys. This is so disappointing. And I'm frustrated because you did not show up prepared. And 
why, why, why not? And they're like, well, we didn't know. And she was like, well, why didn't you ask? You can't have it all in your head. Like this is a place where you can just communicate. And, and so there's, I think I've worked really, really hard at setting the very clear foundation and knowing this, that this is a loving place to work, but it's a job and there are expectations and you have to do your job. And that matters more. You know, I'm not, I'm not running a life coaching school. I'm running a business. I pay you a salary so that you can pay your rent and, you know, grow your career so that this business can grow. And I, I don't think that that's at all unclear, but I will say that that has taken a lot of work and a lot of me learning and fucking up and failing as a leader and being too close to my staff and being, you know, too loving at times and really learning that dance between, you know, this is a future of business in my view, a place that's, you know, of service and authentic has a human culture, but also is a seven figure business that's scaling at the speed of a rocket ship. And you, you've got to, got to have your shit together. Mm-hmm. And my, I don't think anyone at my company does not know that, you know, mm-hmm. but I've worked for that. I think something that I have been learning actually a lot from watching you and Christina Rice um, and Sarah Small, some of our incredible hosts is this idea of sharing your successes. So for background, for me, sharing my successes when I was in television was look at me. I'm so awesome. I'm 25 and I work for the Lakers and the Dodgers and aren't I hot? And please tell me how hot I am all the time, mm-hmm. right? That was really me sharing my success. Look how many likes I got on this picture of me in a mini skirt and look at me talking to, you know, so-and-so famous person and how great this is. And it just felt so empty all the time. And I also came into this new part of my life feeling like you don't brag, you don't share that stuff. That That's gross. And so as I've watched you and I've watched Christina and even Laura Holloway, like all these incredibly successful women who share their successes and even in dollar amounts, like I do a six-figure launch every month or I run a multi-million dollar business. I'm like, ugh. And my judgment comes out and I'm like, you're not supposed to do that. That's gross. Don't do that. And what I have learned is that, and we talked about this before we started recording, is this idea of we believe we must play small and not share our successes. And what I think is so beautiful about what the three of you do that has been an amazing example for me is that I didn't have my own business back then. So really, my success was how I looked and the, the coolness of my job. Now I run an incredible business, media company, production company, and have a podcast. And I built this myself. And so for me, I'm like, holy shit, I'm so proud. I want everyone to know how much we're killing it. This is like my baby. This is so much of the essence of who I am and being a woman of service is birthed into this company. And I think I finally get it. You can share that and you should share all of that success and all of that growth because it's a direct reflection of who you are and the work you've put in and the love that you've put in, the standard of love that you have held within your company and the way you operate. And that only gives other permission to the other women permission to do the same, to step into their light and to shine brighter. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I finally get it. And this honestly is like the last two weeks where I really, really? it has, yes, where it has truly resonated. And wow. I, I do believe so much of that is working with people like you is because 
the judgment of me and that noise and that voice said, no, that's not okay. And then I kept asking myself, why do you think that's not okay? Why are you judging her for doing that? And then I realized there's so many parts of me and so much success that is truly who I am and what I've done, but I've just been so scared to shine bright because I don't want people to dislike me. So thank you for being such an example. Thank you for sharing that. Like I couldn't have said that better myself of the root of why it feels so good to share because it's your, it's your heart and your soul and your passion. And yeah, you've accomplished something really special that, you know, not everybody does that. And it matters that you did. And guess what? You can be the example for other people to do it too. You know, I, this is so timely. I, I literally was writing a caption today to post on LinkedIn tomorrow because I got cranes. I was noted, I was listed in cranes as one of the top most notable entrepreneurs in of 2020 by Chicago Cranes Business, which is like the creme de la creme business publication here. Yes, and girl. This, <laughs> thank you. I, but I've had this story in my mind about cranes doesn't like me. Like I've had like cr- cranes is I'm too small. I'm too sparkly. They think I'm too silly and girly and whatever yellow for cranes, you know, and we wrote an application for it. Sean helped me. And I was like, it was a moonshot. I was like, like put it into the universe, forget about it. And then like two months later, I got an email that I got it. And I was like freaking out. I cried, you know, it was, it was big. It mattered. Right. So, so now it's out it's public and this goes to your question. And I really want to drill into this point. Cause I think it's so fucking important. So I took a crack at writing this caption for the announcement on LinkedIn. And I have a pretty decent LinkedIn following. So I really want to get this right. And I send it to Alicia and Alexa for them to review. And the post is like talking about how I finally learned how to receive and, you know, compliments and kudos. It's so hard for women to own and, 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 you know, I'm, I'm receiving this award and I want everyone to receive it the feeling of receiving too, to understand that it's okay. And I sent this off to Alicia. She's like, you're not fucking posting that. She's like, <laughs> you are a motherfucking CEO, Jessica, who built a fucking six, seven figure business. You need to, you need to boss this post up. And I was like, uh, like I, I'm, I'm still uncomfortable. It still feels awkward in my own right to be like, look at me. And yet I know I need to share it. I want to share it. I want people to know that I got that. That's a really positive reflection of my business and that we're legit and we do great work. And right. So everyone, man, woman, whatever has the right to share that kind of stuff. But the way that I was sharing it was so self-deprecating that it took away the amazingness of that moment. And so I rewrote it and I'm going to share it tomorrow. And it's, it's about the post. It's about the announcement. Yes. But it's, it's about a, alignment and like why this happened because I got into alignment and I found my power and I got clarity and I worked really hard. And if I can do that, you can too. And so using my win as inspiration for other people. And if you're coming from a place of potential scarcity. I'm not saying you are one sees that and is like, fuck her. She's so full of herself. Like I'm going to unfollow Jessica's why because she's being so self-promoting, which probably will happen. Okay. 
a few people will do that. A lot more people are going to be like, fuck yeah, girl. A lot more people are going to feel inspired than annoyed, you know? And, and I've, so I've chosen, and maybe that's true. Maybe that's not, but I've chosen that to be the truth because I know that at the core of what I really am trying to do is authentic. And that is the, it's really the truth. When I'm sharing that stuff, it's not to say, Oh, look at how awesome I am. It's to say how, look at how awesome you can be too. And I can be awesome too. Like we can all be awesome. Right. Like that's, that's the beautiful thing. And so I love that you had that shift, Kelly. And I have that shift too, like all the time in in different ways. And it's always evolving, but it's so powerful when you, when you own it, you know, and it's such a beautiful thing when you can truly, you know, see another woman shine and like, wow, like I, I'm genuinely happy for her. And like, I am not triggered. And this is like more fuel to my fire to go be more of me. And I just, that's, I have a whole chapter in my book actually about that. And I really, really, really want more and more women to, to awaken to that because we're all on the same team. Reach sister. I want you to tell everyone about your book that I already pre-ordered. So if you haven't done that, go to Amazon right now and get the fucking book. <laughs> so sweet. <laughs> I love you so much. Um, so my book has been a labor of love. Writing a book is like birthing a child that just dates for 24 months. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> um, it's, so, it's so long, the process. So my book is called B, a no bullshit guide to increasing your self-worth and your net worth by simply being yourself. And it's a book that will teach you how to build your brand the right way. I feel so many marketing books out there keep so much behind the veil as a way to promote and hook you. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom in my book. What people spend $15,000 on here to get, I'm giving it to you in a $25 book. Like It is tactical. It'll walk you through everything you need to know to build your platform but it's going to give you the permission to have a platform in the first place. It's going to remind you why you are worthy of living your authentic truth. It's going to give you the permission to be yourself so that you can vibrate on that frequency of beingness so that you become a magnet to more of those right opportunities so that you can grow your net worth and you can, whatever that means to you, that you can become successful at what you want to do with your life. And it's got a bit of a memoir woven in and that you hear my story. And I definitely take you on a journey. There's um, three sections to it. Be real, breaking down the myths of personal branding, reminding you to embrace your shit, the shadow, the light, it, it all belongs. Be your brand, the section two, that's the methodology of simply be the keys to the kingdom. And then the final section is be free. And it's, it's the permission slip. I really, I really do love my book. I think it really is going to help people. That's incredible. I cannot wait to read it. Oh my gosh. I'm so proud of you. I'm so, so proud of you. And you're right. It's going to help so many people because if there's one thing I've learned about you, it is you have such a genuine heart and belief in transparency. And in a world where that is lacking so deeply, this is such an incredible key and gift that you are giving people that is so necessary especially coming out of this year. And hopefully we are revamping our lives in one way or another next year and starting fresh in the new year. And I think this is going to be such an incredible resource for women, especially 
who want to be free and utilize that permission and connecting community and honesty. Yes, it's my highest, highest intention. Thank you so much. Thank you for Comes being, out in February. Yes, in February. But yes, it is available for pre-order. We'll put the link in the show notes so everyone can go get it. Jess, thank you so much. Jess Swag, thank you so much for being on the show. <laughs> I should welcome, just name the Kelly show King. that. <laughs> I'll take it. So good. That is the Pell Connor. I love him. Thank I love, you. I like I like that's that makes me feel so good. That's such a compliment. Thank you for having me. I I had heard about you for years through Laura and then we finally got connected through business, which is so beautiful and so divine that that's how we would come to work and know each other through working and growing our businesses together. And I just admire you, Kelly, and you are, in my view, a walking example of awakening and authenticity and truth and women empowerment and divine feminine awakening. Like I have been so moved by watching your journey. And so to be on your show is a big deal to me. Thank you for having me. That means so much. Thank you, Jess. It's true. Thank you. I love you. I love you too, girl. Thank you all so much for listening to The Kelly Show. If you haven't yet subscribed, be sure to do so now and head to ratethispodcast.com slash Kelly to leave a five-star review. And as a bonus for doing that, if you send me a screenshot of your review before you submit, I will get you a little thank you gift in the mail. All right, we have another juicy episode coming for you next week, so stay tuned. And as always, if I can support you in any way, please reach out. Remember, I'm just a DM or an email away. See you guys soon.